the Alien Probe Podcast. To the military and the public who weren't intimately associated with the higher levels of the Air Force intelligence during the summer of 1952, if you were, General Sanford's press conference seemed to indicate the peak in official interest in flying saucers. It did take the pressure off Project Blue Book. Reports dropped from 50 per day to 10 per day inside a week. But behind the scenes, the press conference was only the signal for an all-out drive to find out more of the UFOs. The work on the special cameras continued on a high-priority basis, and General Sanford directed us to enlist the aid of top-ranking scientists. Joined today again, Dr. Bill, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. So you're, how are you? Good. Oh, yeah. We've, we've had this conversation. Hey, you, you're ready to do the hoax or horror chapter, right? Yes, the hoax or horror. The, yeah. <clears throat> That's an interesting episode. That's an interesting case. So, what would you like, before we get started, you want to talk about uh, Roswell? Yeah, let's I talk about the, the newsletter and uh, other things. Uh, the newsletter and other, other things. And, and other things. Speak into my microphone. Yes, just, I think I need to do that also. Let's adjust this a little closer. So you read the IUR International UFO Reporter, September October nineteen eighty nine, volume fourteen, number five. I did, and, you know, and I have to apologize. I didn't realize Heineck was dead, and yeah. his wife went. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, I uh, for so when, what year did Heineck die? Uh, nineteen eighty six. It shows it on the first page of the newsletter. Um, yeah, yeah. He um he got cancer. And his death, oh, it was interesting because him and his wife moved to, um, I believe, Arizona. Could pull his book. And um, he got hooked up with um, some guy with money. And they wanted to start a new, um, new like, UFO. Uh, basically, he hooked up with a guy with money. And this guy wanted to do um, two of the, the same things that that Blink 187 guy did which was right. to make a two to the stars type academy entertainment research type thing and um it, a lot of people were upset because they've i don't know what it, i don't know he wanted the guy figured because heineck the association with steven spielberg and the close encounters movie right this millionaire figured he could uh you know make some money off of Heineck's celebrity and the whole UFO thing and they could like do movies or whatever. The only problem was the um the guy would had through does one of these things where you like throw a party and you have all your wealthy friends come over to try to get them to invest in your enterprise and right. nobody wanted to invest. Oh man. Yeah. No one was going for it. So the guy couldn't raise any money. It sort of reminds me of um Bigelow's Academy or whatever it was that was researching. Same sort of thing. I mean, Bass. Bass or whatever it was, yeah. yeah. And they, uh, you know, yeah, there's money there from the, a primary person, but when they try to get more money, it's like nobody's nobody's helping. Everyone just sort of looks at them and says, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's not really something I want to invest in. Yeah, and then Heineck got cancer and um, got sick and died. So that went away. Um, but yeah, 1986, retired, and I think he lived for like two more years or something. It wasn't great. 76, uh, probably wow. about 10 years, because they probably had mandatory retirement back then. So he probably retired at 65. Now, we don't have mandatory retirement, and you can get people that stay in their government-mandated jobs until they drop dead, just like Stalin. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We don't. Yeah, retire. Nothing wrong with that as long as you have that job that pays. Yeah. Buku bucks. Yeah, that is the key, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you get you get a fossil that stays in a position and nothing happens for decades. (laughs) So anyway, Roswell, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, it was pretty pretty good. I thought this. I like this uh, little investigation. I don't think much came out of it afterwards, though. No, nothing came out of it. Um, but what's important is that they were—they found the site. Uh, 
You have to drive. <laughs> to drive into this, you know, what I think it was like an hour, what they say, like an hour, hour and a half or something like that across. They said it was the worst road you could ever possibly drive on. It was, you know, you can imagine the vehicles and stuff they had to take. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and they get there and they, you know, they, everything, I mean, it's been, what, 40, 45 years, 47 years or something. And, yeah. I'm st- well, 42 years, 42 years, I okay. should say. I'm standing up. I was grabbing another Roswell book. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, so they did some, uh, looks like they, I mean, I, the first thing I thought is, oh, they should have brought a metal detector, you know, but they, they did. They did, yeah. They did. Yeah. And uh, they didn't find anything, but that doesn't mean they, anything. They I did. Mean, they, the, they, they found a can. You found a can that was opened by a knife, yeah. which is an old can. Yeah. Um, the military had been in, in to regress. The thing crashed, whatever crashed. And the military got in there and they, you know, went, you know, in a group Police. side by side. What, Police. Actually, what do they call that? Policing and, area. Yeah, you, you go arm's length from each other and you, like, you know, no, no store. You know, no, no areas left uninvestigated. They pulled all the uh, in forty-seven after the crash, where they pulled all of the uh, material off the ground um, that they could find as small as you know a tiny. Piece. It was kind of weird because it was like it was almost like foil or a heavy foil um, that it was described. You know, you could wad it up and it would come undone immediately. I don't know. Maybe it was. You know, they insist, you know, the Air Force course insists it was a weather balloon. We all, we know the story. Yeah, and there's that official report, which I have the PDF. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so, uh, I mean, you know, the, but Fournay, didn't Fournay, he was the one that brought the material back to his kid. Oh, yeah. And then was he, that Fournay? Uh, Fournay? somebody, was yeah. Well, was that the, that's the guy so, who's, first one out there his kid apparently had something had some stuff well they they had retained stuff at their house and the air force figured it out well two years because he talked about it he talked about it publicly and two years later somebody came back and said hey yeah give it up so yeah i don't understand i would have lied now i lost it yeah somebody stole it yeah it's hard to do when there's like you know whatever whatever dudes there Oh, they they had some of the material. I mean, it w- uh, if it was a weather balloon, why are they so concerned about getting it all back? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, no, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, it's a well, we don't care about it. It's a weather balloon, okay? It's not top secret. Maybe it had some material in there that was top secret, but it's a balloon. So I don't. I mean, to me, it's not that important. But maybe it was to them. I mean. You know, 47 versus, you know, 2021. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't really care. <laughs> yeah, That's no, a balloon. Yeah. Fabric. Fabric. Uh, yeah, who knows. But, yeah, it's um, it makes me want to uh, actually look into the Roswell stuff where before I was like, eh, Roswell. But it wasn't even on the radar until um, apparently, according to this article, until um, that book, The Roswell Incident, was written in 1980. Which well, I know this is something we've known about all of our life, right? I mean, Roswell's. Well, I I don't remember when I first heard of it. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, but I, it was out there. You knew about it, and I, I don't really know. I do know that uh, I'm going to turn this fan on. Um, I don't know if um, I do know. I was taking a class in. Santa Fe, New New Mexico, and I was there for a month. And I do know that there were some guys that um, it must have been in it. It was in 1980, 19, two, 1980. It was in two thousand and seven because there was a there was a bunch of guys which were going to Roswell because there was some sort of anniversary or something. This is on the weekend for this course, and uh, they were like. Yeah, we're going to we're going to we're driving to Roswell, which wasn't that far away from there. Right. Um, 
So what they did they come back and report anything? No, I, I didn't really hear anything. It's just like they were just like, oh, we um, we went there and you know whatever. And well, it's, like, it's not actually not in Roswell. It's eighty miles away from the town. Yeah, this was the sixtieth anniversary. But these these are guys. This is like a serious. Uh, these are you know serious scientists this all these people here mathematicians and physicists and all this stuff and it's like i just got a kick out of these guys going yeah we're going to the 60th anniversary at, at roswell on the weekend and and that was the the roswell um sort of thing and i actually regret that i didn't go with them because I, I think know, I would have went, but I'm like, man, I'm just Roswelled out. Well, I didn't I even, know, I didn't really it. even think about it much. I yeah. was just like, they were like, yeah, we're gonna go to the, go do this. And I'm like, Roswell. So I knew about Roswell, but sort of vaguely. Um, but I'm, I'm waiting for something new, Bill. You know, I, I <laughs> something mean, new. Yeah, the UAP. You know, it's, <laughs> well, something new, and as far as Roswell, I mean, did we? Is it? Is there anybody talking? People are talking, but you know, do we have a you know somebody that's helped load the ship? I guess it was partially intact, according to whatever reports, and they got it. Well, it wasn't completely destroyed. Well, Kufos. So the first book, and I picked up a copy. You got a copy too of the the Roswell incident. Yes. So this is the classic study of UFO contact. By Charles Berlitz and William L. Moore. Yeah, I don't have it yet. I just ordered three. So thanks to you. Yeah. Three, three more books. I'm going to have to have a you know Dewey Decimal System in my. In oh my yeah, I've, I've been updating my bibliography every time I get a book. But this one, um, I published 1988. It was little tiny paperback for 450, and I'm thinking 19, 1988, 450 for paperback seems high. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a, apparently according to this um, article in the International UFO Report, port, this is the book that got it all started. And they were saying before this book got published, this um, people didn't even really think about the UFO incidents. And there's an excellent, they say there's an, in his excellent Ted Blocker, in his excellent catalog, the UFO wave of 1947, List the cause of event as a downed weather balloon. So I actually got that because you can find it online and it's put out by NICAP, I guess. They, so it has, uh, it looks interesting, but I haven't read it. So I just got it and it's large. Oh, and it's got maps. It shows all the sightings for 1947. Very cool. Uh, it's got an introduction by McDonald, that scientist. Um, but you know, but these things they just like it's wow, maps all over the place. But this one didn't even they didn't even they just listed it as a weather balloon. So we were talking about um, earlier. We we're talking about there not being a lot of cases before I think 1950. So apparently there was you know a, a wave in 1947 and this guy who put this together apparently he's like traveled around and checked newspaper records all around the country really to put this together yeah like i said i just discovered it after reading this this uh, iur report that talked about it and i found it online and printed it out well, but well i thought you know as we've talked about before i'd really like to find the guy that military obviously that loaded what was left of the craft on the back of the flatbed i'm just envisioning this big military well i think they call them m770 you know as a tractor and a flatbed they they might have they might have already done that because there's this other book called witness to roswell i don't know if you got that one by thomas carey and donald r schmidt and this is the sort of, I think, the conclusion of this investigation that was began by Kufos with this survey of the Roswell site in 1989. And um, they say that they've interviewed 150 people that were involved in it. So this actually might come up with um, those people that you're talking about, like people that were actually there 
And I just got I just got this book. You just ordered it, I think, too. Yeah, and I, I mean that thing's going to blow the lid off this thing if they can. But anybody can say anything they want. I mean, yeah. It's a real photographic proof. I mean, this came out in two thousand and nine. I mean, we just. But I mean, really, when you're in your eighties or what? I mean, how old are these guys? If they were thirty and forty-seven, they're seventy-seven. You know, it, well, I mean, it, yeah, they had like death. Bother, yeah, I don't think they're going to bother lying. They have deathbed statements from people in here. And yeah, oh. I mean, they were scared that they were going to get retribution from government, which you know, I don't well, know. Supposedly, they actually, you know, threatened people. Oh yeah. There's a picture at the in the end of this book. Apparently, the Sci-Fi Channel put a um, historical marker at the crash site. Did they really? Yeah, it says so. Following an image historical stone marker at the Forster Ranch crash site, commissioned by the Sci-Fi Channel, dedicated at the debris field site in 2003. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Might be able to drive out there and look at it at least. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if every anybody just gets to go there. You know, that's you know, you just <laughs> well you just get to drive out that. Okay, here it is. Well, if you can't if it if you can't just drive out there, I'm sure that in the town of Roswell, you can like go to the UFO museum, and they probably you can you know make arrangements to go out there. Someone will take you out there. There's like tours. <laughs> I'm guessing, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd yeah. be awesome. Like I said, those guys went to Roswell. I was like, oh, Roswell. And yeah, I, I, I could have gone with them, but I was like, uh, I think they asked me to go, but there was already like four in the car. And I'm like, ah, no. Uh, squeeze in there. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to, it's, I, you know, appreciated the invite, but it's like five in the car. For I don't know, it was like a two-hour, two-hour drive. I said, "Nah, I don't really want to do that." So, well, but I yeah, don't think you miss, I don't think you miss much. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, point. I can always. I've I've been in that area a couple times, but yeah, never thought about Roswell. Never thought it was uh, something that would be. Um, um, well, I, before I read this article, I kind of pictured oh, I'll drive to Roswell and I'll just drive to look at it and they said yeah it's far and it's yeah you better have a four by four to get in there yeah you know yeah. it's ugly yeah. it's ugly yeah it's a it looks like it's a bit of a trip and there's a lot of snakes if you don't like snakes don't go there <laughs> i like there's the, a lot of rattlesnakes yeah i like the article you, you only saw two yeah yeah <laughs> just two yeah great yeah, yeah i two, don't like snakes two's enough like and snakes. don't forget the scorpions too yeah snakes and scorpions and tarantulas and, and yeah, snakes it's just not, it couldn't just land in the middle of somebody's yard right it had to follow there no well yeah of course it's gonna land in the middle of nowhere <laughs> so anyway yeah, well, that's, they said, and then they said it skipped. I don't know. If it, yeah, it did a did landed a, and it skipped, and then it, it did a bounce. Which makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. bounced. And uh, before it, you know, did whatever it did, and then um, you know, but they dug around with their trowels and dig, dug some holes, and you know, they didn't find, really find it. Yucca, you know, they're so they're doing further, but then you know, Kufos dissolved. Well, Kufos is right. is is now it's a archive, and um, I mean we're just we're seeing the remnants of that. The archive's still there because uh, the guy who wrote this article, uh, make sure I say his name, Rediger, Rediger. I actually corresponded with him, Rodegeier, Rodegeier, Mark Rodegeier, Rodegeier. Um, he's still around, and his uh, I think all the Kufos materials in the basement of his house now. Uh, yeah, he was the uh, scientific director of Kufos. Yeah, he's he's what's left of Kufos. Um, so yeah, at some point we'll have to get their uh, DVD of all their newsletters coming up. Well, it's interesting that Heineck would start this publication. I mean, he must have. You've got the well organization. Yeah, we're about ready to go jump into another chapter, but yeah. uh, with with Rupel. But it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Our our hero. Yeah, uh, uh, it's uh, it's it is interesting. It's uh, I was just flabbergasted, flabbergasted that 
you know, a serious scientist like uh, Hynek would look at this stuff and go, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Or even uh, McDonald, which is like a... It's, and there's another guy uh, from Stanford named... Uh, oh, what the hell is his name? Stoffel? I got his book. They did a, they did a uh, meeting on it. Sturrock. Peter A. Sturrock. So physicist at Stanford that did uh, sort of follow the same sort of pattern that Hynek and McDonald did. And this guy's recent. So really how recent? Um, let's see. I have a, uh, let's see. When's this book come out? I can look it up in my bibliography. Uh, oh, he's not in my big round. Oh, here it is. Uh, 1999. And I have a, um, press release from Stanford when they did a meeting looking into this, um, which I was just looking at. Uh, of course, I put everything back in the file. Hullabaloosion. Um, what was that? Are you blinking at me? Was that you or me? Not me. I must have done. I did something. I touched something. Don't touch anything. Once it's going, don't touch anybody. Oh. But anyway, they did a... You're our only hope, apparently. <laughs> oh, at this point? Are you still having trouble with your... Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's I working? Kind of watch the, I, working? Yeah, we're only 20 minutes in. It usually lasts between 35 and 47 minutes before. And it's kind of funny. It'll... I'm watching the monitor, and it'll go. <laughs> it just dies on you. I go here it comes. It's dying. Are you got the other? I, before I like, okay, hold on, we got a break, and then we'll mend it together. And Bill's like, well, I can record it. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, I got please, it. I got please it. do because this I'm is working. working. I've moved the Mac Mini into the. I haven't start fired it up yet, but well, I have fired up before. But oh, you'll be very. I've bad. moved it into the game room, and I told Deb because like I'm gonna buy another monitor, set it up separately. Show People stop gonna be lit buying computers. Be I love. I know. Yeah. <laughs> she is not happy about the uh, Mac Mini, which was with the mini upgrades that Bill recommended. Hey, you don't uh, have to listen to me. You went over. <laughs> you went over the top. You'll be happy like with it. that. As uh, I do. Yeah, I can't find so, uh, it. So, it's fine. So, yeah, I've got it in there, so I'm going to put the put set up as a um, completely separate system in there, and then once I get that rolling, I'll transfer it in. And then you'll the, take, uh, take this studio. laptop. You'll take this laptop yeah, that's, and throw yeah, it off it, the roof or throw it in a river when you're done? Uh, probably Golden Gate. I'm thinking Golden Gate Bridge. If I could get it over that fence that prevents people from killing oh, themselves. Oh, did they finally put that up? They put oh. something. I haven't been on the Golden Gate Bridge in 30 years. Dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, they talked and, about uh, that. Yeah, they've got a suicide prevention thing. Did you ever look at that? I don't know if we talked about this. There was a... I wouldn't say a movie. It was a documentary about, and they had actual cameras on the Golden Gate Bridge before they put all this stuff up, and it filmed people jumping just yeah. up there and jumping off. Well, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea was um, to they would see them and they'd be able to like run out there and stop them. But that never seemed was to happen. That the re yeah, but they yeah. couldn't. And it was kind of funny. One guy survived. Yeah. And, he said, you know, I had a lot of problems. I go, that's, you know, for those out there, I know people have problems and, you know, yeah, obviously. And he had a lot of problems. And he, he said, I jumped off the bridge. And um, he goes, the second I jumped off and started falling, I realized that those problems were nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing compared to launching yourself into the ocean off a bridge. Now that I'm in yeah. free fall, um, my problems yeah. are small. Yeah. yeah those, those problems are pretty small compared to the problem I'm about to have. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to make light of it. It's horrific, I'm sure it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was kind of interesting of his comment that he said, the second I released, it was like, man, those problems are nothing. Yeah, I hope they didn't put the, the fence up. I mean, it's just it was just nice to be able to not have to look through mesh. And one of the things yeah. I, I was uh, I was telling my kid 
and was looking at uh, so D- Dirty Harry's first movie. Hey, let's get off topic. Dirty Harry's first movie is the Dirty Harry which movie I, is fifty which, years old. Dirty which Harry, I just, which I just watched about a week ago, honestly. And I, I haven't watched it for a couple of years, but last time I watched it, um, you know, I think I watched it with my kid, and I was like, "You look at the Golden Gate Bridge with no traffic." Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, no yeah. traffic. Yeah, no traffic. I'm looking at that, I'm, and I was going to my kid. I'm going, that's what I grew up with. Yeah, and the and they go over the rainbow tunnel. Remember the rainbow tunnel on the other years? side, going to Sausalito. Fifty years ago, we were. Yeah, they were. We were little they guys. They were chasing the. They were chasing the guy. I saw it with my dad at Chabot Theater. Yeah, you know, it, it. I might have been there with you. You probably did because you know. Because you, your yeah. dad used to take me along every once in a while. To yeah, go we all we would we'd go. To, yeah, we yeah. might have done it together. I because I know yeah. I, I I know yeah the little small town movie theater. Yeah, we yeah, were little yeah, guys when that that came out. Wow, it made an impact. It was huge. Yeah, I just you know, it, it, I remember the next day it made a huge impact on my life. I don't know, it was weird. Yeah, you ran um, out. You ran out and you bought a forty-four Magnum the next day. That's right. I'm little little guy running Magnum. around with that. That because then you could do that. It was legal. I went a forty-four Magnum. Yeah. And well, I was cleaning. I mean, this is so long ago for the bowlers out there. Yeah. Um, I was cleaning those telescores, those plastic sheets that we used to write scores on with a wax pencil. Oh, it sounds like it sounds like. Oh yeah. (laughs) The Stone Age. Now everything's automated. They don't. You don't. It's hard to cheat now. Uh, But the they. I was cleaning telescores because I was worked at the bowling alley, and I remember. Oh, uh, yeah. res- I remember in my mind going through the entire movie, the uh, the entire dialogue, and I wish I had that mind today. I, you know, I remembered every single line in the movie. Well, and, uh, I mean, there's, he came know. out with so many movies right after that because uh, I'm just looking online. Magnum Force in '73. Just uh, watch that one too. The Enforcer. I have a. I have a set. I need to rewatch them. Oh, good. And then the Enforcer in '76. So I think the Dirty Harry and Magnum Force were the ones that made big impact on us. So yeah, those were the a lot of big names. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. They don't. They're not allowed to make movies like that anymore. They're illegal. No, we'll never see that again. And. Yeah. For those of you out there, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, the original, watch it. It's well worth it. Yes. Uh, and is it Donald Glover? Was the actor at the very beginning? The guy that he says, how many rounds have I fired? Five or six? I can't remember if I fired five or only that, six. Yeah, that guy was... I just got to know! And he was a very famous... He became a very famous actor after that, too. He was in his third or fourth movie, the one with the uh, which actor? The girl that he eventually had an affair with. Uh, this um, is not not Clint Eastwood, the uh, the guy that he was the bank robber that says, "I gotta yeah. know." He, he yeah okay yeah he, he was in the, he was in the movie with he was in another Dirty Harry movie too. Really, he was another cop. Yeah, he ended up. I won't I won't tell anybody what happened, but he was he went, um, he went on to a big career. He was in a ton of stuff. Yeah, that would typically happen of you know the actors that Clint Eastwood would work with. Yeah, yeah and his company always promoted the same people too, so he was very yeah. sort of loyal. Well, he liked to, to use the same, yeah, he liked to use the same people. Yeah, he's very loyal to his uh, cast and crew. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. shall we jump into the? Uh, we're about uh, yeah. going to be about. Is, are we doing? Re- aren't we doing reviews of of uh, Clint? Are we doing movie <laughs> of Clint Eastwood <laughs> movies? <laughs> we're going to start in 1971 with Dirty Harry. In India, they're going to be saying India. We're still big in India. They're, they're going to be saying what? <laughs> well, a lot of the um, I've, I've seen a few of the Indian movies. A lot of the um, like cop. Cop action adventure movies have a very, yeah. very sort of Dirty Harry vibe yes. to them. Dirty Harry esque. Yeah, they're very much like that. Yeah. The, the, that character is like a that type of character is big in cop movies, and I've seen a few of them in with Indian cinema that have uh, characters like that. 
Oh, I found that news release. It was from Stanford. And uh, 1962-98 scientific panel concludes some UFO evidence worthy of study. And I think that's all I will say about that. And they talk about... Uh, what was the evidence, sir? What was the evidence? Oh, they, um, oh this is interesting. They said, uh, first independent review of UFO phenomena since 1970. <coughs> and that would be the Condon Report. Let me turn this off. That's making me cough. <coughs> uh, the Condon Report, 1970. A panel of scientists has concluded that some sightings are accompanied by physical evidence that deserves scientific study, but the panel was not convinced that any of this evidence points to a violation of known natural laws or the involvement of an extraterrestrial intelligence. And this seems to be um, similar to that little tiny report that just came out um, you know, that was sent to Congress, that seven-page report. Uh, yeah. Oh, so, the one we just got that said yeah, nothing. Yeah, it basically said the same thing. Uh, the review was organized and directed by Peter Sturrock, who wrote a book, which I've picked up in uh, 1998 or 1999, uh, professor of applied physics at Stanford University, supported by the Sci Society for Scientific Exploration, which is his... Um, Society, and he actually publishes an open source journal that addresses like psychic phenomena and UFO stuff. Um, and you can actually join that society. I was actually looking into it. Um, you have to be, you have to have the right pedigree, and you have to have, <laughs> you have to have. What, I, the, what pedigree do you need? Uh, you have to have a pedigree like my pedigree. You have to have a. You have to. You have to have a. You have to have a degree. Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. To have a and you need to find two. You need to find two people to to um, pledge for I'll, you. I'll just say I have a PhD. Like yeah, they, they that'll work. Not, not you, of course, but like that. other people. They'll, they'll, do that. they'll do that. But they need someone to vouch for you too. So I don't know anybody. I can find two people. Yeah. Well, I'll get you to vouch for me. So two and, people uh, that belong to. Else. So yeah, yeah that was, that was people something. I barely know. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I'm not a yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big uh, joiner. So, but I'm I don't a big joiner. But, well, I don't know if you want that staple to your resume when you're going out for what? Jobs. What? what, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I told you about my last job offer. Oh my god. What was it? I don't know. Let's hear. It. Oh no, I, don't I, know I told you about it. it. Was up. It was working for the uh, the army, army's research lab. Oh. What's wrong with that? Nothing, just that they don't pay enough, and I don't want to live in the D.C. area. Um, let's see. Okay, so they talk about the... Um, anyway, they, their conclusions differ. Oh, this is cool. Their conclusions differ from that reached by the Dr. Edward U. Condon, Director of Colorado Project, 1968 UFO Report. And he stated in his... That one, which we'll get to eventually at some point, is further extensive. This is what Condon said. He said, further extensive study of UFOs probably cannot be justified in the expectation that science will be advanced thereby. Bastard. Um, what's interesting, too, is this study was initiated by Lawrence S. Rockefeller and supported financially by the LSR, Lawrence S. Rockefeller Fund. So... When Lawrence Rockefeller, I can't remember, it was in one of the documentaries that I watched, Lawrence Rockefeller had a letter, wrote a letter to Congress asking that they look into, I, oh, I just lost you. Are you there? Uh-oh, you hung up on me. Call me back. We've lost contact. Oh, baby. We are recording again, so we're back. Wow, that was exciting. Um, yeah, I'm not touching anything. Well, what I did was I did what I usually do I, while we're talking. I just try to get out of Streamlabs and then restart it and then fuck something. I didn't touch Discord, then it fucking died. It exploded. All right, on so you. we get rolling again. We're we are back. I'm recording. I can. We're back. Okay. Cool. I, Thank you. We're good. And uh, the All actor right. whose name I couldn't we're, remember from the Dirty Harry movie is Albert Popwell. And was, what else did he do? do you uh, know he, what else? So he we're was, doing a movie. Yeah, he was uncredited in Dirty Harry, and he is, was a big uh, 
TV actor, but his big claim to fame was Matthew Johnson in the successful black black exploitation film Cleopatra Jones, which oh yeah, which was a big inspiration to Tarantino. Oh, was it? Yes. So Tarantino, um, he did some. You know, Tarantino's like a super like seventies movie buff or something. But yeah, those yeah. movies had a big impact. Big. Um, impact on Tarantino's movie style. So 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 stay tuned for our next movie review. Uh, yeah. Next time. Next time. Um, hey, let me put my glasses on. Hang on. Okay. All right, so you had a complete computer failure and Yeah, uh, so yeah, now we're back up. We're back up. Now are we gonna talk. We're, are we into the are we into the book yet? Yeah. Well, let me just finish up my thought that I was was going right, on, go. and it was the uh, so Lawrence S. Rockefeller was um, a Rockefeller, and he um, he actually wrote a letter to Congress that was specifically asking that they open an investigation into the Roswell, it's coming back to Roswell, which we were talking about originally. So. Right. Um, it's funny you can you know it's one of the things looking at at this different ufo stuff it's like you remember you know the thing with the conspiracy theory with the pictures and the strings running from everything yeah Uh, you can really do this with this stuff and you start seeing the same people over and over again and you can see them linked together like you see harry reed and bigelow and and Harry Reid and Bigelow link to uh, Lawrence Rockefeller, and uh, then they, uh, you know, these people link to other politicians and you know, yeah, super rich well, people, was, and yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying about Roswell. So how are these people linked together? I mean, as we bring, you can almost do a, a whiteboard and do arrows and all right, this person chop and you know, repel, yeah. And Ella, now lately, Elizondo, Harry Reid, um, you know, it's yeah, Chris Mellon, know, really, another another guy yeah. that's up there. His family's up there with the Rockefellers. Um, yeah, so so I don't know. It's just um, well, well my pu- my puzzle is, is is you have these people from families that were like these super rich individuals are very interested in this, and I is it. So I don't know if they're they're party to some super secret uh, information that they're trying to get out into the world, or are they just very rich kids uh, with too much time on their hands? I mean, you could say oh, that yeah. about Rockefeller. You could say that about Chris Mellon. You could say that about um, this lady that wrote this UFO book, Leslie Keene. I mean, they're all all come from big money and. Um, are pushing this stuff, which is sort of interesting. So it's like I, I suspect, I, I hope that these people are sort of like in touch with the secret knowledge and not, you know, sort of the weird stuff where they're like, you know, putting on robes and chasing goats around the temple for <laughs> strange things and are genuinely you know, interested in unusual phenomena and not just like, you know, weirdos, <laughs> weirdos with strange ideas. Yeah. Well, you can't really <laughs> discount the majestic 12 either. I mean, that was the alleged important people, including the president that were involved in the UFO conspiracy. Yeah. Alleged. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with that. The, the problem with that is the source of the material um but it's plausible so the sort the, yeah. the material is so that's where they come from where they talk about uh, disinformation so it's like is this genuine is this you know somebody just trying to make up stuff for fun because i think there's a lot of there's a there is that in the ufo stuff where people just are trying to get attention and make a buck yeah and then there's um yeah, I don't know. Maybe this secret knowledge. We'll see. We keep plugging away. So yeah, let's uh, before we have complete computer failure again on, on <laughs> either of our sides. Um, let's. Yeah, your side seems to be you know. Well, I have a, a commercial. A commercial for Mac. 
<laughs> my ancient, my yeah. Mine is not a commercial for a laptop. No, my uh, my yeah. I, my ancient Mac. After I, you know, spent my Toshiba satellite yeah. failing. <laughs> well, you know, and I I did this I did this big upgrade on this thing, which was a friggin' nightmare to do because I was in, well, it was a nightmare because I was impatient while I was doing it and almost destroyed it. Instead of just taking my time and using the, the you know, patience and the proper tools. Proper tools is because you, you're, there's this cable you have to plug in and it's really delicate and it's really hard to access. And, um, yeah, it was just a bear. All I needed to do was set up a way to see where the plug was, put a camera in there, which was could have been easy to do, and then just use the camera to so I could see what I was doing while I plugged the cable. Instead, I just tried to jam it in there. What do you mean, those micro cameras? And oh. I was picturing you with this big, you know, that giant magnifying glass that's yeah. on a stick. Yeah. It's on a stick. I got one and here. you put other things? I got one Yeah, here. you put things under that. But I got, uh, no, I, I mean, I could have... I have a webcam I could have rigged in there, and I have a uh, one of those cameras that you can put in holes and stuff. A cable, what are the you know? Yeah. Or, or I could do a medical exam, uh, which you, I was why, using. Why do you have a camera you can put it all? Is that a colonoscopy camera? It's basically that, but you can buy them. They're really cheap. I was using it on my kid's car because I was trying to figure out how to wire the uh, new antenna because this antenna broke off. And well, somebody had done a weird job on it, so I was trying to figure out how to route the cables. So I got one of these things. You hook it up to your phone, and you you can see things. I could use that. So I jammed it in there, bent bent it, this delicate little thing, <laughs> and then I you just I got back to put this thing. Yeah, and then I got all pissed off, and this and like oh, I've ruined it, I've destroyed it. And then I looked at the uh, then I then I take out the uh, magnifying glass. And uh, look at the end of the the cable, which I'd screwed up, and straightened it carefully because it's gold contacts, little tiny gold contacts. And then I was able to put it in, and it works. It works. I expect it to fail at some point, but it works. So, but that was a nightmare. But that was just my impatience. I had nothing to do with it. But yeah, yeah did so, you have another computer you use? I mean, or is it yeah, I have a laptop. Down, you're you're basic because you needed to have that backup. Well, this was just sitting in my kid's closet. This was just a. Um, well, there was com- no hurry. Yeah, there was no. This <laughs> computer wasn't used for anything, and it's it's obsolete. So I just upgraded it, and it's only used for this. So it works well. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, when you got the yeah. I could have bought a newer one for the same amount of money I used to uh, upgrade this old one. So yeah, it was like uh, one of Johnny's friends. He uh, bought a two fifty, bought a two fifty two stroke, and then he spent like three. He bought a used one, older used one, uh-huh. and he spent like three grand to uh, you know get it all squared away and get it upgraded and all that. I go, dude, you could have just bought another bike. Yeah, why do you, you know that was already ready? Well, you know. it's the fun of doing it, right, Bill? The fun of jamming that, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. Well, it worked out. I mean, I didn't destroy it. The upgrade works great. I mean, the, the well, computer, I mean, I can upgrade the operating system even more if I wanted to, but i just leaving it as it is. And I got a second monitor, which, you know, um, my kid was using, and I, he let me have it. But then he went out. This monitor, the second monitor, that was 1500 bucks new. Wow. And um, my kid, oh, I don't know, it's it's 10 years old or more. God, you can get it for like one fifty nine now. For a no, you can get it for $25 now. Because <laughs> my kid's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to use it anymore. He was using a different monitor, and he says, yeah, you go ahead and take that. So I have that as a second monitor, and the screen's okay. It's not fantastic, but it's it's not as good as the thing. So he's like, oh, yeah, I really missed that monitor. So he went online. He found someone selling one locally, picked it up for 25 bucks. <laughs> yeah, these things sold for 1500 bucks new. It's a good monitor. But, I mean, the how, pitch, big, how big is it? Uh, it's 20-something inches, uh, 22, okay. 22 inches, I think it is. Not bad. Pretty good so, size. So, yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah, we've done movie reviews. We're doing computer reviews. We've got exploding <laughs> computers. Oh, God. Yeah, and, uh, you got to make it because you got to get a 
You gotta rest up for your, you know. Yeah, journey. I'm gone for I'm gone for a week, and then we won't be back for it. Well, you'll do stuff when I'm gone, but we'll be, we won't be yeah, back we'll for be, a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, we're gonna so. bring we're gonna bring Deb back for an episode or two, and because uh, the women, I mean, the demographic women has fallen off. Well, you got no women. You know? It's just me. Who wants to hear? Who wants to listen to us talk? <laughs> Apparently, there's people out there. Yeah, uh, we get them on Facebook that like us, so, so women. But it's but we're about ten percent. A ninety ten ratio, mostly guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you and you and Deb, you and Deb's episode on um, Skinwalker was pretty good. It was really yeah, damn, still, it was damn good. Real, damn she, good. Deb is really good. Yeah. She will not listen to it though. She won't. <laughs> hates she hates hearing her own voice, so Ugh. she's never heard it. So uh, but we're gonna, you know, we've got to go. Uh, you know take care of some stuff after this and uh, I'll make her listen to it and she yeah. won't, she'll hate it the whole time. This but thing. That was only, yeah. yeah. Oh, she won't yeah. Want to listen. Yeah, yeah. But she, she comes up with some good ideas. She sends them to me. And, um, so we'll be doing an episode or two with her. Um, you got while that. You're out of, while you're, while you're traveling. Yeah. You got the UFO, UFO, uh, not UFO, oh. ESP dog, ESP animal thing. Yes, we have the SD animal book. I don't know what I did with that. We got other stuff. Yeah, she sent me. There's these dark eyed children. Oh, yeah, I've I've heard about that. Have you heard of that? Yeah, dark eyed. But she sent me that. She goes, "Oh, we let's do this." Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. Hopefully, we can get an hour out of that. That one's scary. Uh, That sounds scary. um, Yeah, it is kind of scary. It's weird. That one's a weird one. So. Um, so I think we we'll to, we're boring. We're we're very boring at this point. <laughs> women just don't want to listen. No one, no one wants to listen yeah. to us. So anyway, so, uh, back hoax, to the book: hoax or horror. And in this chapter, I just I don't have any notes on it. I just wrote up something on this, and it says this chapter is on a scoutmaster in Florida who had a close encounter with a UFO. Several members of his troop wit- witnessed a flash while he was in the woods. Analysis of his hat, which had been flash burned, shown micro burn holes similar to something that would be found by someone wearing wearing uh, while well, arc welding, wearing a hat while arc arc welding, right. and plant material that was recovered from the scene showed that the roots had been burnt with an apparent uh, temperature of three hundred degrees. Just the roots, not right. the top of the plant. Right. Uh, the scoutmaster had a shady past with a criminal history and was known for lying, and he was considered a poor witness. Except for the lack of credibility in the witness, and the evidence probably should have been analyzed further and a larger investigation formed that wasn't done. This case by Project Blue Book was put down as a probable hoax. Uh, as a further note, there was an article written, I have that in front of me, in 1966 by Captain Rupelt in the True Magazine UFO. Where's the cover? True Report on Flying Saucers from 1966, where they used his full rank. Um, had, who had, they had, he wrote an article, and Rupelt had died six years earlier. Uh, and I said that his rank included in the article, this may be a sign that this article had been read and approved by the Pentagon. Uh, in this article, this encounter is painted as a full-blown hoax. And uh, what do you what do you think? You read this chapter. So do you want to, yeah, you, need, you should add, you should add to it. I mean, this is. Yeah, a- well, you know, the kids are, they, how it starts is they're, he's taking the kids home from a meeting or whatever. They're Cub Scouts, or, I think. And they run across this light. So they drive down. He's following the. Oh, I gotta follow this light. He thought it, in his story. He says that it was. He thought it was an aircraft that went down. And then you know, being a scoutmaster and a good man, he needed to go check to make sure that nobody needed his help. Mm-hmm. So he stops the car, tells the kid, tell the kids, hey, there's a show on the radio. It lasts. It's going to be about fifteen minute show. If I'm not back by the time this show comes on then you go down to the farmhouse down to you know um you get, know and get, get help Joby's farmhouse by the mailbox that's you know uh down the road there and tell me need help so 
they're watching him. He's got a flashlight in his pocket, and he's got another flashlight. And he's bounding through the boonie crash and through the brush there. Uh, and there's, you know, it's Florida um, ponds and things, but he managed in his story, he manages to get through the brush and he smells this weird smell, which I think they talked about it being the smell of ozone, maybe. Uh huh. Um, you know, like when electrical, you know, as we <laughs> we mess with stuff up, uh, starts to burn. Yeah. Um, and then he, um, and then he felt warmth, you know, like uh, back in the day, you may remember this, and I do, like when it's hot and you walk by a brick, you know, yeah, radiates. building. Yeah, it radiates, like in Hayward, in, in radiates the heat, with, yeah. Yeah, after, even after the sun's down, you walk by and it radiates heat off mm-hmm. of it, even after it's cooler outside. He felt that, and then he shines his light up and he sees the saucer. Um, and then... He sees a saucer, an opening, a door opens. He said the description was it, was it, the description was like a well-oiled door opening up. This fireball comes out and actually envelops him. And um, he passes out, basically. And then when he wakes up, um, the thing's gone and he runs fearfully runs back the kids have already ran off and they're already back with the police uh-huh. so the time taken there they said it's a few minutes but i can't believe back in you know at joby's farmhouse they're going to be able to get, get the cops there that fast oh but, yeah we don't so, know um so they get the cops there um they get him in the cop car he's burned but not as it turns out and with uh, Rupel, they the his uh, scientist kind of showed that the burn was like a light sunburn. I mean, it wasn't like he was burned up. Yeah, you know, it was a light sunburn all over him. And they so they launch an invest. You know, of course, Rupel goes on investigation. He was a Marine veteran, and he has been to you know he's been in the war. And the guy had, you know, they interviewed him. He had a couple of hair-raising stories about the war. But in reality, the dude went AWOL. I yeah. mean, they came up with this. Of course, they can, he's got to know they're going to be able to pull his jacket. Yep. And it uh, turns out he went AWOL. So the credibility was called into question at that point. Repelt moves on. And uh, they haven't really, you know, they've, they did some studies. That's where they found out that, like you said, the plant roots were burned, like you said, 300 degrees. How does that happen? I mean, they didn't really come up with a, yeah, uh, a there reasonable was, explanation. Yeah, I found another article on it, and they were talking about, I don't know, they were saying... Um, the other, real quick, the other thing they said they found in the, because the kids said they saw him the whole way. And then yeah. they, you know what I mean? And so they kind of reenact, they went back like they should and reenacted the deal. And they said, even if you stand on top of that car, you wouldn't be able to see him because of the brush and things. But yeah. they saw the fly. They really, well, they said they saw him fall. The kids said they actually saw him so fall there was, down and they saw the fireball and all that. So there was an American, in 1954, a Pan American Airways pilot, William Nash, uh, went back to the site and said that uh, tried to reproduce this and said that you could be seen from the road really so yeah so you have two different two different yeah. statements well, going on here um so how did the roots get charred uh, yeah 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 so yeah they never really explained the roots they never explained the holes in his hat I mean, that holes in his hat. He said it was new, and that happened in the incident. But I mean, yeah, and know, the, the the FBI said that the hat looked like it had been burned while it was off somebody's head, not flat on their head. But yeah, uh, the response was uh, the counter argument was that he had thrown his arms up to protect himself and might have pushed the hat up on his head when it happened. Yeah. Uh, and the burns on his arms were described as sort of a light burning as such as you could do with a cigarette lighter. Yeah, that's what the scientist at the site did. He actually did it on his own arm to show repel. Yeah. So this... That, this you know, hey. Well, I've, 
I mean, there's there's other things. It says they did uh, like Rupelt. All right, so what are the things I should say? We have these these old status reports from Project Blue Book, and I was looking at those, and there was no mention of this from the monthly status report from Project Blue Book. And uh, but I found this article on the NICAP site about this, and this is a uh, best hoax in UFO history question mark by Carl T. Flock. Uh, who presented this at the 35th Annual National UFO Conference Convention in November 7-8, I guess 97. But he apparently had gone to the, uh, the archive, where's the reference, which I didn't know, which is good. He goes, Project Blue Book, uh, Des Verges, which is the guy's name. It's not mentioned in the article or in um, um, Ruppelt's book, but the guy's name is, where is it? Uh, Des Verges. What's his full name? Uh, we, I don't know. I don't know. That guy has no full name. Des Verges. All right. So I don't know. Who knows, who knows what his name is? <laughs> um, but anyway, the Des Verges file. Um, so he had, says, letter R.M. Olson to Captain Carney. Memorandum for the record. Updated in 52. Uh, September 50, September 52, August 52 photographs, incident site and burned cap. So you could actually go to the archive and get photos of that. Uh, grass specimens and cap as filed dates unknown sketches by Des Verges, the saucer and map of the incident site national archives to college park, Maryland. So project, well, we know where the Project Blue Book uh, files were as of 20 years ago, 23 years ago. Right. But he, um, anyway, so there was, I was a little concerned because there was no record in the Project Blue Book monthly report. Uh, but the, um, there is a file, Project Blue Book archives. And um, just trying to find the guy's name. It'd be nice if I had his full name. Oh, here it is. Uh, Ex-U.S. Marine D.S. Durnham Sanborn Sonny Des Verges. He was 30 in 1952. And this this case and this article says one of the things. So what's the best hoax? So was this the best hoax in UFO history? Or as UFO historian Jerome Clark put it, the UFOlogist's worst nightmare, a real experience which happened to an unreliable individual. And this guy was an extremely unreliable witness. Um, yeah. But when I first read this book chapter, it was like, this is, this is like an X-File. I mean, the circumstances, yeah. he's got the kids that are a witness. Um, the police are there. This, wasn't this one of those Project Blue Book uh, episodes? I seem to remember. Yeah, the they did. Master. They did. I don't remember a lot of the detail. Oh yeah, they had and then the guy, yeah, they had him like really burned, like he was on fire. Yeah, well, and then he then he was doing a big. They did a big press thing. He was doing because the guy hired a. Uh, according to this article, this newer article, the guy hired a, a PR guy who quit because once he found out about the guy's uh, background. Yeah, um, he, he said no. I can't. PR guy, yeah. yeah, he goes. Oh, I can't work. I can't work for someone with this sort of background. So the guy, uh, <laughs> I like this. He goes. Well, then- Huh? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, he says that, uh, who's the Captain Carney, uh, had a staff car pick up Des Verges and bring him to the base and interviewed. Ruppelt describes the scout master as very cooperative. He appeared to be normal, but just a shade on the ooky side. No. Yeah. Noting that latter may have simply been, been simple nervousness. So, I mean, the guy was, the guy was weird, but I, I had a feeling you read this, given that he had the and then the cub scouts the cub scouts were um, very loyal to this guy and yeah. so they were a little worried that there uh, might have been a little little hanky panky going on there uh which oh, is what, really yeah oh, that's that's that's, nice. that's, that's, that's not that's, i didn't hear that part well that's mentioned in uh uh mentioned in this thing he says like Rupert and Carney attended a meeting of Des Verges scout troop. Des Verges was not present to interview the troop chairman and all three boys involved in the incident. The scouts, rather excited and nervous, 
said the Virgins, had agreed to drive them and another boy home after their 19th, April, August 19th troop meeting. On the way, they stopped for a drink. I don't believe that was alcohol. It's probably like a soda fountain type yeah, thing. Yeah, soda pop. Yeah. Then Divergis drove towards a drive-in theater, but something happened, so instead they went to a stock car speedway to see how much, see how much water was on the track from the recent right. rain. Right. That's where they were headed. Pressed about the... Yeah. yeah. Pressed about the reason for the change in plans, the boys were very vague and seemed to be attempting to cover up. Um, so then they think something might have been hinky going on there. Uh, oh, great. Well, I mean, that's speculation. You don't know. Um, Divergis, well, they were very loyal to the guy. Divergis dropped the fourth boy at home, headed south. Uh, oldest boy who seemed Bobby Ruffing, 12, who seemed to be the leader of the group. Anything he said was law, was not too cooperative with Rupelt and Carney. When pressed for an answer, he would clam up. He kept s- stating, well, that's what Sonny said, so it must be the truth. He, however, d- he did say that soon after the first stop, when Decevers made a comment about flying saucers, he saw a semicircle of white light about three inches in diameter descending at an angle of 45 degrees into the tree soon after uh desverges entered the woods ruffing said he saw a series of red lights in the clearing and he watched sunny stiffen up and fall <clears throat> and that's where the conflict comes in where they say well they couldn't see or they could see so when rupelt and people and in, looked into this and said well we can't see into the woods but that guy came back a few the same year or a couple of years later. And he says you could see what was going on. So I don't know this. So what do you think of this one? I think it's, I think it's a question mark. I have a feeling I agree with this. I didn't see this article until this morning, but I agree with this guy. I think this is, this is the nightmare scenario where you might have a plausible UFO thing happen, but the flaky, the, the inner, the witness is just beyond flaky. So that's where you and I'm sure that's what Rupel was thinking. Well, great, yeah. we finally got something to go on here, and then you know, it's just gonna get debunked because the guy has a bad past. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know. And that's a, that's a big difficulty with this stuff. And um yeah. I'd like to believe this one, but I you know, again It's a good it's it's a good great story. It's a good good yeah. report. Good report, good experience. Good report. So, you know, I'm glad that as we move through the book that things are getting a little more juicy. I'm hoping that, uh, it, you know, it, it continues to move forward like that. Wait till we get to the debunking chapters at the end. Oh, the three, the three missing chapters. <laughs> yeah, the three. Hope I can find them. Yeah, you sent me those six months ago. Yeah, I'll send them to you again if you need it. Well, I'll it. Let, let me find them. But this, um, yeah, this, this. True report on flying saucers from 1966 that has a lengthy article by Rupelt, who had been dead for seven years. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of debunking in this article that we don't see. So I can only assume from what I'm seeing about comparing this article with this other article on the best hoax in UFO history, um, which may not have been a hoax, is uh, somebody put it together from the Blue Book case files. This this article and then put his name on it, but I don't know who wrote this because he's that's this is where it gets weird. Rupelt's dead. Yeah, you know, um, and there's a lengthy article published about about this stuff and other things. So we'll probably go back in a little more depth once we finish the book to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've probably survived another episode with computer <laughs> failure. <laughs> yep, thanks to you as backup. Divergence. Well, I'd say backup, but you're the primary now. Yeah. So uh, divergence yeah. into movie reviews. Um, how right. great it was in the Bay Area growing up with no traffic. <laughs> Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Talk about Dirty Harry. The movie movie review for Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Watching um, movies in a small town. God, that was it's our small little town with our little movie theater. So. Speaking of movies, have you seen the one with Hugh Jackman where he's got that machine that? I'm sorry, I don't just, know that we're... Just come it's out? Got a machine. Yeah, it's, I, we just watched it last weekend. Was it good? Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was different. I'll, ch- mean, I'll, I'll check it out. I like saw it. it. It takes place in the future where everything's flooded. I mean, not... You know, there's the water has come up because, of course, of global warming. Yeah, I'm tired. And, uh, I'm tired of that. 
I'm tired of <laughs> apocalypse. We've been living the in the world. Yeah, we've been living in the apocalypse since 1980. They've been telling us where yeah. the apocalypse is around the corner. And, and well, it's the pandemic that my state's on fire. <laughs> well, uh, you're living in the apocalypse. You know, I am in the apocalypse. Yeah. Yep. All right, ready to wrap it up? Wrap it Before up. Anything else goes wrong? Uh, yep. Thanks yeah. for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Pro Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at AlienProbe.net, Twitter at AlienProbePod. See us, I actually listen to us on YouTube, and thank you very much. We've just exceeded 35,000 listens. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, keep subscribing. Um, you'll get notified. Eventually, we'll do some, uh, we'll do some uh, video also. So um, keep tuning in. Thanks to our senior. Thanks very much. Uh, to our uh, editing and uh, recording to uh, Dr. Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. We'll see you next time. Thanks. All right.